I will talk to you of art. Yes. For there is nothing else. Are you all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Come along quietly or not. Well, you can have all the talent in the world and never get anywhere. Some artists will bait a hook and let you bite upon it. And now, without further ado... Hello, folks, and welcome to yet another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. Hope everybody out there is keeping their heads on straight. We got a lot to cover before we get to the guest, so I'm going to zip right on through it. First off, some shout-outs to some local businesses trying to keep their heads above water through all this. First off, the Main Street Jukebox Record Shop here in Stroudsburg. Tom is posting records on the Main Street Jukebox Facebook page, the Main Street Jukebox Instagram page, and his own personal page on Facebook. Look them up, see he posts um, the records that he's selling, and you could also message him and ask if he has anything specific in stock if you're in the mood for records. Second off, Broad Street Books in New Jersey. You can find them on Facebook and on Instagram at Broad Street Books NJ. Um, if you want some reading material, you know, put the Kindle down, give the Kindle a break. Give the trees outside your window something to worry about and go buy an actual book. You'll be you'll be thanked for it. You know, feel better because of it. Third, um, my buddy has started his own Jiggler toy brand. The name of it is now Wrong Kong, and that's wrong spelt without the W. You can find all the toys on the Wrong Kong Facebook page and some of the toys are also available on eBay right now, right from, you know, from the mold to eBay, right from him. So right now available on eBay is a Jiggler lot, which consists of some Devil's Rain characters from the film The Devil's Rain, a cute purple olive, and a toy described as, what is it? Um, so far, it is up to $10 on eBay, and there's only one day and six hours left. Jump on that, and um, you can get some really cool toys for not that bad of a price, really. The other toy available on eBay is the Big Kahuna. This is the one everybody has been after the past couple of weeks. This is a Jiggler rubber monster, the creature from It Conquered the World, otherwise known as Beulah. This one is a very fun purple and green color. This is one of my favorites that he's done so far. Right now the bid is up to $41, but I'm going to tell you what. These have been going for over 100 So if you're into old horror movies and want a one-of-a-kind toy, nobody else on this planet, from here to Wuhan, will have this toy. If you want it, jump in now while the getting's good. Okay, the rest of the news, I've been pumping out lots of artwork on Facebook and Instagram. Go on Instagram, at Albert Shivers. You can follow me there. Um, I was just part of a virtual art gallery show put on by former guests of this show, um, Courtney, Sylvia, and Namu of the Create and Be studio. They put together a virtual art gallery, and it was cool. It was fun. There were a lot of fun artists involved. And, um, you know, anything to break up the monotony of being under house arrest here. Also, I'm going to be creating a NASCAR documentary. It's going to be short, um, no longer than 15, 20 minutes at the most. Um, It's going to sort of follow my introduction to the sport and how in the world a little boy born in New York City who was into art and jazz, found his way to NASCAR. Um, It's a fun little doc. There's going to be lots of cool footage, and um, it's going to be very artsy, as always. So the goal for that is May 15th. It's going, my goal here, artsy, I'm getting tired of that word, but the goal with this video is to take all the things I like, make a story around them, and just mush them all together like some big crazy video collage. So that's a better explanation rather than just saying it's artsy. 
Um, and again, the goal for me is to have that out by May 15th. Um, so that's 15 days from now. So I'm going to be working hard on that. And you can follow my progress on this also on Instagram at Albert Shivers. The guest today on this episode is Michelle Starr. She is an actress who describes herself as following her bliss. And on this episode, Isaac is back. Holy crap. Isaac is back on sound. And before you lose your shirt, um, we recorded this before all the cooties hit. So let's get right to the interview with actress Michelle Starr. And my special guest today is actress Michelle Starr. Thanks for doing this show. Oh, it's my pleasure. And yes, Starr really is my last name. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we'll start. um, You are a librarian at the local college here in Strasbourg, ESU, that I went to. And um, you chose the path of pursuing acting as sort of, a, I guess, a retirement job? Or how would, would be the best way to put it? I look at it as following my bliss Okay. after a delay of the rest of my life. And now the second act is becoming an actor, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. But my parents were Depression-era babies, so they were all about you need to get a job that can pay your bills and provide you comfort. Mm -hmm. So being a wuss, um, (laughs) not brave like a lot of people I know, I... Went the, ended up being a librarian and said, one day I'm going to pursue my my dream, which is mm-hmm. to act. And I did, and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I did. And, and you and I um, linked up what I feel is early on in this second act for you. I believe it was even before I retired from being a librarian. Might okay. have been one of the first acting jobs I did. Okay, okay. So, like, what, um, do you remember the first one? Could it could it have been my movie? <laughs> it probably overlapped. I mean, I okay. could probably look through my notes. But the very first job that I had, right. because I had no experience, I signed up with Central Casting, which is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And... They called, and I said, sure, I was all excited. It was an overnight shoot, and I realized why they needed so many people. Mm -hmm. It was a huge crowd scene on the top of the building at Rockefeller Center with no coats on, and it was like between 30 and 40 degrees, and it was a two- or three-night shoot. And a lot of people did not show up for the second night. Mm -hmm. And because I was so new, I... Yeah. You commit, you go. Um, the highlight of that was um, I got a great picture of me with Jimmy Fallon, who was walking oh, by. He, and he was very nice, obviously. He was on his way to do his show. He was in a suit. And that was the beginning. <laughs> so I guess one thing from the actors that I know and, and have as friends, um, maybe you can go into, so it sounds like this this particular part was like you were an extra yep. in a role, which is how most people get rolling with acting. So most people don't understand a fraction of what it is to be an extra. Not only how much effort goes into it, but just the amount of waiting around time. Oh so my maybe you can God, go yes. into that a little bit, of what it's like to be an extra. Well, being an extra means basically you're no different than a lamp, except you're self-propelled. Okay. You're providing atmosphere. Uh, and yes, there is a lot of waiting around. Um, I've gone to shoots where they've never used me. I've just sat around chatting with other people and eating good food because they do feed you fairly well on many okay. of these. Generally, the more popular the show, mm-hmm. um, the better the quality of food. And if you're lucky enough to do background on a movie, right. it really ups the amount of food. Yeah. I've had steak and lobster, um, and they have to-go containers. Who knew? <laughs> um, but one of the nicer things about it that I discovered, I couldn't figure out why they had the to-go containers. Some is because poor, starving actors. Right. But some is that people were packing them up. And when we were going from holding, where we just hang out until they need us, Mm. to the set, 
they had them full and they'd hand them to homeless people that they saw, which I thought oh. was lovely. Yeah, yeah. But um, most times you provide your own clothing. Um, they tell you to come hair and makeup ready. Okay. And because I was in Stroudsburg and the majority of these jobs are in New York City or Brooklyn or Queens, um, it meant getting up god awful early and you're getting paid minimum wage once you take all the expenses out. A lot of days when I started, maybe I cleared $15 for the day. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, it's fun and, and it's on your resume now. Yeah, exactly, you know, which... exactly. And sometimes you're lucky enough um, on one program, The Good Wife, the second to last episode, I was directly behind Juliana Margulis and Alan Cummings. And okay. so everybody I know saw me, which was really fun. Cool. So, like in the in the episode, they yeah. Said, even though oh, I wasn't, awesome. I was just an extra sitting behind them, but mm-hmm. you could see me real easily. That's fun. What were some other like some other like more popular shows or um, movies that you may have been in? Well, I did, did the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which was very entertaining, mostly because it wasn't until three in the afternoon. Beautiful day. We showed up right near the Lincoln Tunnel. Mm -hmm. They fed us, and then they said, okay, now we're going on the New York waterways. We got on there. We went around New York Harbor, and every 10 minutes or so, we had to pretend that there was some major monster coming and knocking down buildings. And what was fun about it was I made one or two friends that I'm still quite close with at this point, but we did this for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we didn't need to be there until 2 in the afternoon. We were finished at 5.30, even with having lunch. Right. And then I was on my way home, and I was back home by 7 o'clock. But I had a date going around on the ferry, enjoying a yeah. lovely afternoon. Right. Um, I spent time on Jim, the carousel, James Carousel in Brooklyn, which mm. was just lovely. Sometimes they're in beautiful, beautiful older homes. Mm-hmm. Um, or like catering halls, but it's this. I eventually stopped doing a lot of background work after a few years because I was getting more interesting things. And yeah, yeah. And what is what most people find fascinating is I do very little work in New York City. The majority of my work is in New Jersey. Hmm. So are there more studios there? There there are a surprising amount of studios, and two of them in particular, um, Concept Productions and TriStar Studios, do a tremendous amount of as-seen-on-TV type products. Mm -hmm. And so people text me all the time, ah, you know, I was watching, I was flipping through channels, and there you were, larger than life, hawking (laughs) some product or pretending to be a grandmother, and... They pay better. I don't have to drive as far. I don't have to pay tolls or a bus. Um, But the first really cool thing that I ever did that was not background, a lot of the Crime ID channel shows, you know, like How I Murdered My Husband or whatever, are filmed in Jersey. Okay. Um, And I got to be the murder victim. It (laughs) It was the show Mind of a Murderer. Bad to the Bone was the episode. And they ended up filming it in Hackettstown, 20 minutes away. It was awesome. And I played the the mother of somebody who eventually killed his mother. Okay. (laughs) And they had him at three different ages. So it started with a 12-year-old, then a 20-something. And then finally the age of the guy who killed me. The guy was older than I was. Okay. (laughs) But... And I just looked the same, you know, from when I had a 12-year-old until I was being strangled in the living room. (laughs) Uh, And I've since worked with him a couple of times. I did a job with him in New York State. And what was it for? It was for Steinmart. And we were, it was on this beautiful property that it looked like a park. Somebody said that they think it was owned by the Kennedy family at one point. Mm And he's been my husband in a couple of things. Okay. You know, he played my son. I'm like, at some point, you're going to play my father, I think. <laughs> but 
but we've done a few jobs together, and that's always fun when you go and you see right. people you know. On the ID channel stuff, so that was filming um, reenactments exactly, of, of events? Exactly, gotcha. and that particular show... They were also interviewing the real people, which was fascinating. Obviously oh, okay. not the mother because she was killed. Right. But um, her granddaughter, her son who was in on death row in Texas, Beatty was his name. I forgot what his first name was. I don't know. He's probably still sitting on death row or maybe right. he's been executed. Uh, I did another one where the, I was supposed to have had my throat slit and a gunshot wound to the head. And they made me up to look like I had my throat slit mm-hmm. and a gunshot in the head. Now, normally, I don't bother taking the makeup off because it amuses me, you know, particularly if I'm taking public transportation. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> people who have worked on things that involve zombies or whatever say that they have so much fun afterwards getting on the train and people are looking at them, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not Halloween. But I decided I had to wash mine off because can you imagine driving down Route 80 and looking over and seeing somebody who looks like they're covered in blood and have a gunshot wound to their head? Yeah, I no, no, that was not (laughs) happening. (laughs) But a a lot of it is making connections. Like a lot of the jobs that I do in Jersey at this point, um, they just call me and say, you know, are you available? Can you come by, you know, Friday and it'll be a half day or... This is a two or three day shoot, um, mm-hmm. and I just go, I just go. It's a, and once a year, instead of doing TV or movie type things, I always try and do like a local play, community theater. Because mm-hmm. for one thing, it's really good to have to memorize lines. Yeah, yeah, I've had to do it a couple of times, um, in for either theater plays. Or for my own movies that I somehow got rooked into being in myself, and it oh, is you're like such a natural in them. <laughs> no, I try, but usually it's because someone didn't show up, and I'm like, I'll do it, because I know I'll you be love there. It. You love it. I know I'll be there. I know that I won't flake out of my own movie. So and you also know exactly what the character I, means because you wrote. Them. Yeah, I do. Like in in the movie with um, the brother and the sister. I had an actor um, cast as the brother. I did not know that. Totally did, but um, he, uh, some issue that was understandable by a family thing, I don't remember exactly what, came up right at the last minute. And I picked this actor because he kind of looked like the actress who had played the sister. They, so it, to someone just coming in cold, you could see them being related. So he backed out like a week or less before the first day of shooting. I had nobody. And I couldn't just pull. Like I didn't have a backup. I had nothing. I was the only person who knew the deal. But it was fun. Exactly. It was fun. That's the bottom line is it should be fun. Yeah. Any work you do. You know, be it being a librarian or, you know, working at Starbucks. If you're happy doing what it is that you're doing. There you go. Yeah. So, go and, well, let's go to theater for a second. Did you do theater in school at all? In high know. school. Okay. Because uh. <laughs> you mentioned that, you know, the, this, you had wanted to do it since you were young. So, I'm just curious if you had any experience. Yeah. In high school and in college, I took like one or two acting classes, but they had a pretty robust um, theater department. So they only cast people that were in the theater department gotcha. for anything. So I didn't do anything from the front page my senior year, playing the cleaning woman, uh, <laughs> until I did a few years ago um, with Black Sheep Productions, which no longer exists, sadly. I did Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and played um, Violet Beauregard's mother. And that was the mm-hmm. first time in... I don't know, I can't even do the math, 18, I don't know, probably 40 years. Mm, okay. And it was great. And part of the reason I didn't do it, um, well, you know, like, while I was working, because certainly I could have, 
except I was raising my daughter by myself mm -hmm. and she had a zillion and a half activities and I was driving her around to all of them. And then when she got her driver's license and I said, what do you think about me trying out for some of the plays? And she gave me the, oh my God, please no. She was like, can you wait until I go off to college? Yeah, absolutely, no problem. <laughs> so I think I did that her sophomore year in college. Okay. Yeah. And then I did several productions over at Shawnee. Um, and the way I got into that is every year, and I would encourage anyone local to, to sign up for this, they have a wonderful um, contest to find original plays. And the first year, I think they had six submissions. Mm -hmm. And I believe the last year I did it, they had over 200. Some of them were one-act plays, some of them are full length. And they do readings of the plays, just table reads. And then, you know, people vote and eventually they do some of the one-act plays and they do one full-length play. So from doing the table reads, I advanced to actually being in a couple of the plays, hmm. which, you know, they, they weren't plays anyone would have heard of, but it was, it was fun because it was something that someone wrote who maybe never had anything produced and they submitted it and it mm -hmm. was good and... Yeah, so I did that for a few years. Though, you know, now that I think of it, when my daughter was quite young, um, Kathy Kroll, a local dance teacher and just awesome person in general, she, um, she would write and choreograph programs. Uh, and I narrated a lot of them for her when my daughter and her daughter were like, preschoolers or early elementary school but those really didn't take a lot of time and we did one that was in Battery Park in New York City and yeah yeah hmm. so I guess I did do a little here and there but okay I must gotcha. have blotted it out of my mind because of my daughter's embarrassment gotcha do you prefer one over the other in terms of film acting in front of the camera to acting on stage boy they both have their advantages um the being on film, they can stop and start. There are teleprompters, which are yeah. great. Um, but being in a live play, there's that element of nervousness because you never know what can quite happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a piece of scenery could fall over. Uh, I don't know. The power could go out. It challenges me because... I have to interact with a variety of people. It challenges me because I have to memorize lines, which mm -hmm. I think is very good for me. Um, it's my version of doing crossword puzzles, gotcha. memorizing lines in a show. And, you know, as I mentioned, I relocated down to the Lehigh Valley in the past year, and there are a lot more opportunities to perform in live theater. Mm -hmm. So last year I did one that was a self-written and self-produced with the Crowded Kitchen players. And that was a great experience. And then this year, I'm currently rehearsing for 12 Angry Jurors, which is at the Pennsylvania Playhouse. And what a lovely group of people. Some of them knew each other already. Um, I didn't know a soul. I'm really happy to be included in this because it's like any any field you know once you're down there you start running into people that oh yeah didn't you do this didn't you do mm -hmm. that and you know some of it is the joy of doing something in the arts but some of it is reaching out and making friends in a new location gotcha so hmm oh 12 is 12 angry jurors is that an adaptation of 12 angry men it is indeed okay. and what's fascinating is there is no script called 12 angry jurors there's 12 angry men 12 angry women the, okay um and it says like in the notes if you choose to have a mixed cast we recommend that you use the version of 12 angry women and adjust it accordingly um okay. so I sat down, I had never seen the movie. Okay. Um, you know, or the original, it was a TV production originally. And, oh, okay, no. Um, I, you know, it was in the era of like movies like Marty, which was originally yeah. on, on um, one of the television live theater type things. Mm. And 
I saw the movie and a very young Jack Klugman was in it. Um, E.G. Marshall. It had like this incredible... Yeah, Jimmy Stewart was the No, lead. no, it oh. wasn't Jimmy Stewart. It was Gregory Peck, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I watched it after I got cast and it was... There was a definite decision in our current director to keep it in the 1950s because okay. I guess some adaptations, people do it with a more modern bent, which you really can't do nowadays because there's a scene in there where there's a knife involved uh-huh. that was in the in the trial itself, but then one of the characters pulls an identical knife. That wouldn't fly today, you know? It's like you couldn't go through security right. with a knife I, like that. Yeah. So you're more or less bound by keeping it at least probably pre-1980. Okay, yeah. And I would imagine that technology probably would affect the storyline, too. Yes. If it was done in a modern time. One of the things I find very fascinating is there there are one or two characters who are extremely bigoted, shall we say. Okay. And they're talking about the young man who is on trial. And boy, some things never change. Let's put it that way. Okay. You know, and it's... You never see... In the, in the movie, you see the boy briefly. Um, but in the play, you do not. And so you don't see the character at all? You don't see the character at all. It's okay. just the jurors debating whether guilty, not guilty. Okay. And some of the things that are said about people that live in slums, you know how those people are. Mm-hmm. And in the movie... It looked like somebody who was maybe of Italian or Greek descent, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that, yeah, you know, just like back, no, back, I, back, no Irish or dogs allowed, yeah. no Jews or dogs allowed, you know. Back then, that was ethnic enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's going to be at the end of March and early April. We take a weekend off for Easter slash Passover. And okay. I'd encourage people to come because it's a lovely theater. But like I said, my, I think my true love is actually being in front of the camera mm-hmm. just because they can do close-ups or, you know, I like having people do my makeup. I did a commercial two weeks ago in Brooklyn and they did my hair, they did my makeup, they dressed <laughs> me, they did my nails. I'm not at liberty to say the client because okay. there was a confidentiality, but... It was very exciting because that's probably one of the biggest jobs that I've done so far. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know when when and where it will air, but it'll air somewhere. Um, I did I did do a commercial in the same summer. I did a commercial for two wedding websites, which made me laugh. Both <laughs> Zola and The Knot. Um, the one in Zola, I had lines and okay. you know talk about you never know who you're gonna run into. Turned out the PA who, or the casting director, her boyfriend lived right around the corner from my brother and sister-in-law on Hmm. Long Island. Um, And that's the house I grew up in. So, yeah, I forgot how that came about. Kind of like how I mentioned to you before that I was doing a shoot when I first started this. And it turned out the person whose apartment they were using was also in the movie Different Seasons that... In season, yeah. In season, I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Anissa Smith. I, I think it is, too. Because she's the only person that I know enough who would be like, oh, my God, because she sent me the picture, too. Which, I, I, like, I would have forgotten about it, but you bring it up is bringing it back to me. But um, I, I think I, like, I had woken up. It was, in the, was that a shot? That was a shoot that was in the morning? Yeah, yeah, probably. I remember waking up and like seeing the picture and not reading the phone and just being like still in sleep land. And going, how, like, how, how, what, like, two, like, worlds colliding almost, you know, but that's probably part of the magic of the whole craft. That, you know, just running that, into people. But that's true to life in general. That's not just in the field of theater and movies and what have you. I mm. constantly am amazed how I run into people and 
I'll give you a fun example that's okay. not acting related in any way, shape, or form. I was out in Denver visiting my daughter mm-hmm. last Mother's Day weekend, mm-hmm. and several she and several of her friends decided to do a bowling party for Mother's Day. So there were a bunch of us. We went bowling, and then, of course, we had to save it for posterity, for Instagram, Facebook, etc. The picture goes up, and somebody I went to high school with comments. She's like, how the hell do I know two people that are in this picture that are from totally different eras in my (laughs) life uh, that, you know, neither of you live anywhere near me, and why are you both in this picture together? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I said, you never know who knows the people you know. Or I was talking to a young woman when I came out of, I, was, I went to go see some talk show, and I was in the audience when I came out. There was a PA mm-hmm. trying to, to get people to come to another talk show. And I mentioned, well, I was leaving, I was in Pennsylvania. It turned out not only did she go to the same high school as my son-in-law, but it was his first girlfriend. Wow, okay. And, you know, I took a picture, sent it to him, and he was like, how? Right. <laughs> <You> know, just, <laughs> it's like, that's why you talk to people, because that whole six degrees of separation is a very real thing. Yeah, that's true. And what was that we were talking about, Isaac, that we're only like 14, we're all 14th cousins yeah. or something like that? Like we're no more than 14th removed cousin from anybody else. I, I could well, get behind that. I could understand that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, which does weirdly put into perspective a little bit when, because 14 may seem like a lot, but it's really not that much No. when you think about no, it. No, it know. means that some great, great, great grandpa or gra- grandma are the same. Right, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, particularly when families had, you know, like 17 kids. Right. Yeah. You know, on my mother's side, my grandfather was the youngest of 17 kids. Oh, wow. But only four of them lived to adulthood. Oh. But in the meantime, you know, people came to this country and, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, you you never know who knows the people you know or... Right. You'll look at a picture and go, God, that person looks like so-and-so in my family. And then Mm -hmm. it turns out, yeah, they are distantly related. Right. (laughs) So was that, um, that wasn't in America? That was beforehand? You talk about your grandfather and his siblings? Yeah, it was somewhere in Russia. Gotcha. Some some little shtetl, you know. They came to the United States separately, you know, the different siblings and... Mm -hmm wives or husbands or whatever and you know do do you try to imagine at age 17 or 18 just picking up and going because things in your country are bad does this sound familiar yeah no it's yeah crazy like i know um specifically on my father's side um they did something just very similar you know certain members of the family came over and uh, moved to Staten Island. And at the time, my grandfather had to lie about his age to become a garbage man. Because that was the work, the only work he could manage to scrape up. And he was too old for that. So it wasn't my grandfather, I'm sorry. It was my, my it would be my great-grandfather. Had to come over and he was like well over the age that they would accept garbage men. Which at that point was a, you know, a wagon on a horse. In those days of Staten Island, which was rural, like it is parts up here are, you know. Parts of Staten Island are still rather rural. Yeah, the southern southern parts are still like that's um, the southern part of Staten Island is where they keep all of the five boroughs police horses. There's a huge stable on now, Staten Island. Now it's interesting. It's in Hell's Kitchen. There's a stable also. It must be the horses that are in. But I can bring this around, right back around to the whole acting thing. You know, you talk about families coming over, you know, separately and eventually finding a life here. The very first movie set I ever saw, I was down in the Lower East Side with my mother. I, I would have to look up what year it was filmed, but they were filming the movie Hester Street. 
Okay. Um, which, if you've never heard of it, um, it had Carol Kane in it. That's the only person that I remember, but there were other. And it's about how she comes to the United States mm-hmm. um, because her husband came ahead of her. And he's become very Americanized. And, you know, he's not eating kosher, nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, like, making my mother stand there with me because I was just so mesmerized by that they were making this movie right mm-hmm. in front of my eyes. Right. And I don't think that... I think it was something I always wanted to do. But um, it was the first time I got to actually see see something in action. Yeah, no, it sounds like that probably reinforced... You're already longing to do that. Yeah, and I said, I don't know how old I was. 10, 11 years old, maybe. Yeah, no, it's probably just figure out when the movie came out. Yeah, go back a year. Exactly, a year, maybe more. (laughs) But yeah, you know, it's, I think it was a combination of that it was a movie set and that it was kind of reflecting my ethnicity. Mm -hmm. And one of the other great things though I can't sing to save my life the very first Broadway show I ever saw was Fiddler on the Roof do you see a theme here Jewish things that my parents (laughs) took me to Um, and I remember just we were in the orchestra you know like close enough where we could really see everything and I still have the playbill nice and guess who played um, the oldest daughter at Seidel who did Bette Midler Oh, wow. And she was 21 or 22. Um, I assume that she was doing... The, I know she used to perform down in the baths in the gay section in Lower right. Manhattan. And this must have been one of her first things to get her out of there. But wow. my brother had the foresight to ask for her autograph. Um, but I distinctly remember sitting there, and I had no idea who she was. Right. And, you know, we all listened to Broadway cast recordings. That was, you know... Our parents all had those. You hear Lynn manuel talk about that, mm-hmm. that he would listen to the records his parents had. So I was quite familiar with the score, but hearing it live, and I remember thinking that this woman had the most beautiful, amazing voice I'd ever heard in my life. She was singing Matchmaker, and that's really the only song where she's got any kind of solo in it. Mm-hmm. So it was even apparent to my little 10-year-old self. Um, and 50 years later, I saw her again in Hello, Dolly. Oh, nice. Where was that? Um, in Manhattan. I, cool. It was at the Schubert Theater. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I love Bette Midler. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, if if I could meet any... If I could hang out for a day with anyone, mm. I think it would probably be her, just because I bet she's a lot more low-key. In her daily life. Yeah, that's. I feel that still way funny, but a handful of people. Yeah, no, that that it's funny that list of like who would I hang out with like grows grows all the time for me. I'm always adding people or people who pat who people who end up passing away and they have to come off the list because, but there's still some hope. Well, you never know. You might see them sometime in the future in another lifetime. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what? Questions do you have about the fun things that I do when I'm on set? Uh, let me, I'm just trying to to think. Um, mostly, you know, there's a big exhaustion factor, mostly because right. I have to get up really early. Um, I also, during the winter, I have to be very careful of the weather mm-hmm. because you can't accept a job and then it's snowing, though this winter was not a great example. It was lovely all winter. I know. Um, Eerily so. Yeah, I mean, you can't say... Oh, you know, I can't make it because the bus isn't running. Mm-hmm. No, you told them you're going to be there. Uh, I'm non-union. Um, would I like to be in the union? Yes, because I am a supporter of unions. Okay. But you need to get three waivers. It's like three magic wishes. And the way that you get those are you might have a skill that nobody else on the set does, or maybe some of the scenes that you're in, you're standing next to people that our union and they need to call you back mm, okay. um and there are a certain amount of, like i think on tv shows the first 25 background players have to be union if they can't okay. get 25 people some of the people that are non-union will get waivers and then you get paid at the union mm-hmm. rate 
Um, I wish they would make it a little bit easier. I always say they're strength in numbers. Why do they make it so hard yeah, yeah. to and join? And this is, this is SAG yeah. that we're talking about. Okay. SAG after, because they joined forces okay. at some point, I, right before I started doing this. Okay. But that's also a two-edged sword, because um, you may make more money, but you're competing with more people, because let's say they need 80 people and only the first 25 are union. Uh, I get a tremendous amount of work. Um, so at this point, I've been doing it for close to six years. I don't anticipate ever being in the union because they make it so difficult to join. Right. So if the first 25 people have to be union, do they will they only hire 25 union people and then the rest will be non-union or exactly. will they go over? Exactly. No, no. They fulfill that because the non-union people get paid less. Gotcha. But um, a lot of the things that we as non-union people get are thanks to the union, such as, you know, specified dinner breaks. Mm -hmm. Now, if we run over and dinner or whatever is delayed or lunch is delayed, the union people get paid like a little inconvenience bump, okay. which we don't get. Gotcha. But um, they make sure that we're fed. They make sure... I don't know. It, it, like I said, even though I'm not in the union, there are many things, the rate of pay that we get. Mm -hmm. um, it's gone up. The first year I was doing it, which was, like I said, six years ago, I think it was $88, or no, $77, because the minimum wage was seven seventy. Okay. Now it's, I think, sixteen fifty, is the, an hour is the base rate. Okay. So it's, it's yeah, it's doubled. It's yeah. doubled. Um, there, one of the ways a lot of people get bigger parts and experience is student films. Right. Uh, and I've done several of those for colleges and universities in New Jersey, but I know NYU and, you know, like mm -hmm. in Manhattan and out in, the, out in the boroughs and even on Long Island there are students constantly screaming for they need people. It's unpaid, which is why I only do them in Jersey, because I don't want to have to pay to go do it. Mm -hmm. I always say, as long as I don't go in the hole, I'm good. Right. Uh, you know, and the, I always laugh and say, you know, I worked for the state for many years, so I do collect a pension, and it's enough for me to live on. But... The work that I do not only brings me joy just because it's fun, that's what gives me money to live on. Yeah. And yeah. some years I've been able to take nice trips as a result. Um, I went to the Galapagos and Machu Picchu. I was gone for like three and a half weeks a few years wow. ago. Okay. And that was underwritten by getting a bunch of well-paying jobs hmm. or a bunch of not of just regular jobs. And I set the money aside. Mm -hmm. Nice. So... You got to the point where you re relocated yourself to Allentown. Um, do you still do work in New York, too, or do you mainly focus on Lehigh Valley now? Um, I do most of my work in Jersey, as I said. Okay, right. But um, part of the reason I chose the Lehigh Valley, I said, I can't go farther. I don't want to go any farther west than where the airport is. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, it's a little bit farther to New York than it was, but mm -hmm. the bus service is a lot better down there is than it? it is up here. It's cheaper. It's way cheaper. Also, okay. I hit the magic bingo number of 62 where my bus tickets are half price. Okay. At least down there, up here, I don't think the bus company, who shall remain nameless, but I think anyone who's taken it knows. Yeah, I take yeah. the buses all the time. Yeah, so. it's, it's wildly expensive. I mean, yeah. what is the cost now for the round-trip ticket? Like 70-some-odd dollars? It is. Plus $5 for parking, which, yeah. Yeah, so like for me, like my, the way I've gotten around it, sort of, is they've implemented recently this some sort of like frequent traveler uh, okay. discount okay so now it's not like some amazing discount but where your average round trip ticket will be let's just say $70 for the sake of argument the commuter thing bumps it down to $55 so okay. it's about $15 cheaper the parking is still $5 but 
And I wouldn't have even known. They don't advertise it. The woman behind the counter, I went in there to buy my ticket. And she goes, you're in here a lot, right? And I was like, yeah, I guess. She's like, oh, well, just give me this information and I'll put you in this program as like a frequent traveler That thing. must be fairly new. Because it is. I know they have those commuter packs that, you yeah. know, it's, I think, 180 or it was 180 for five round trips. Yeah. So if you took five round trips, but they expired after 30 days. Right. A lot of times I didn't know if I was going to need five. Right. Yeah. Now where I am, those um, round trip tickets are good for six months. Oh, and it's okay. 32 round trip and the parking is free. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because the other reason I like taking public transit is I can get a little extra sleep coming and going. Yeah. You know, particularly the going. When I'm going home, I, I'm tired. Or if I have to catch the 3.15 a.m. bus, which I have had to do, okay. um, I'll sleep on the way in. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I... At this point, I know every single different way to get into New York. <laughs> you know, sometimes the ferry, sometimes the bus. The bus is my go-to because $32 round trip. Yeah. Hell yeah. So do, do those buses, where do they leave you in Port Authority? Port Authority. But early in the morning and late in the afternoon, they have down in Wall Street area. Oh, okay. Which there are studios downtown, so those right. work really well. Okay. And Yeah. Yeah, which is is nice. Um, but, you know, when you're doing background work, sometimes you don't know how late it's going to go. Mm-hmm. If you're doing the testimonial kind of things or, you know, like small product, whatever types of things, you know the latest you're going to be done is like 7, 7.30. Mm-hmm. You're going to be it. But doing background, I'll give you, for example, when I first started doing this, um... The first show that I did, like I said, it was a mess. It was cold. It was whatever. Three months later, at the end of the summer, I was like, ah, they must have their shit together Mm -hmm. at this point. It was an 11 a.m. call time. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, we should be At 9.30 at night, they still hadn't started shooting. And I took the bus in. Right. I know it was a big no-no. Somebody else went up to one of the PAs and said, that woman over there. She's not going. She's going to end up wandering around the streets of New York if she doesn't catch the. I think the late last bus is twelve thirty, and this we were all the way downtown. Right. Um, the PA came up to me and she was just like, um, "When it's when we break for dinner, just very when people are going back, just very discreetly grab your stuff." From what I understand, they didn't finish until like quarter of three in the morning. Oh wow. Uh, meaning yeah, that you would have been. Yeah, I would have been, would have been like going. Where, where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. I could knock at my cousin's door, who lives in Chelsea, but I didn't want to wake her up. Uh, so I went home, and of course, you know, you see those, and you're never going to see those PAs again for the most part. Right. A year or two later, I was doing something at Grand Central Station. Seven hundred people. Seven hundred people mm-hmm. for Girl on Train. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they, I was even in a single shot. I had to sit and I see the PA and I was, I went up to her and I was like, you know, I want to thank you, you know, for something that you did a few years ago. She was like, she's like, oh, she's like, I vaguely remember that. (laughs) I was like, it's not only that you let me leave early, you signed my paper as if I was there until the bitter end. So I got the overtime. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So there are some fabulous people there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fabulous people, on occasion you do meet. You're not supposed to talk to the big name actors, the principals. And I thought that's because you weren't going to be, you know, it would be really obnoxious. No, they're trying to keep their lines memorized. Right. That's the reason. But um, I spent one day... On a Halloween a few years ago, it was the show Forever, which only ran one or two seasons. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I was supposed to be the friend just standing there, of Blair Brown. Okay. Who I adore from mm-hmm. when she did, um, no, it's not Blair Brown. She, she did The Days and Nights, yeah, it is. The Days and Nights of... Molly Dowd, back in the 70s or something. But she's done a lot of stuff. She's on the TV show Fringe. Um, If you look her up, she's 
awesome. Okay. I was standing next to her, somebody with no ego whatsoever, because they kept going, do you want your stand-in, you know, to, so you can go? And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll hang out here. That's fine. We were talking about, she goes fly fishing every January in Chile. Wow, okay. <laughs> Down in Patagonia. Um, and Judd Hirsch was in that show also. Mm-hmm. And we were in a cemetery. It was supposed to be her husband's funeral. And there were these children that were also there running around like lunatics. And he ended up like corralling these kids and totally engaging them. He was mm-hmm. anything that you would think that man would be from parts that he's played. He was. Mm. He was. And my, my biggest get, I sat across from Sandra Bullock and Kate. Oh, I forget which Kate. Whoever was in Ocean's 8 with her. Okay. Um, I was seated right across from her for the bingo scene, which was only like an overhead shot once the movie came out. And she was having technical difficulties with her laptop. She was trying to enroll her kids. And she was flipping out. And I was like, I know I'm not supposed to talk to you, but I could probably fix this. So we spent like three or four hours chatting. And we ended the day when the scene was she was like I will never forget you she's like I may not remember your name but you told me for one thing you got my computer up and running <laughs> she was like but that's not what I'm going to remember she's like I'm she was complaining about the cold so you know I was like well get fleece lined leggings she'd never heard of them fleece lined <laughs> leggings they're such a basic thing but I guess she lived down south and baby foot Baby foot is something that you put your feet in and you soak them, and then, like a week later, your feet start peeling like you have a sunburn. And, okay. And because she was talking about how like her feet were really looking kind of grody, and I was mm. like, oh, you gotta get baby foot. So, <laughs> when if she uses either of those products, Sandra, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. You were lovely. Because <laughs> I'm sure she listens to this. Oh no, she does. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. I'm getting feedback. Yeah. From her constantly. She's going to be on next week. But it'll be cool. So, yes, we're going to wrap up. Um, but thank you so much for doing this. It was good to see you again. Yeah. And yeah, you didn't even know update. I moved. No, I didn't. That's <laughs> that's how long it's been. But And I know, like, I haven't seen you around um, at the rabbis or at the, at the or at shul Starbucks lately. Starbucks or, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think, like, he hasn't done the coffee in, in a while. Yeah, yeah. I think so, he just yeah. got caught up in other things. Yeah, yeah. But no, thanks again. This was so much fun. and, and uh, Thank you for inviting me. Oh, this definitely. Great. Anytime. And, and particularly on this beautiful, very, very early spring or very late winter 60-degree day. I know. I know. It's, it's an anomaly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. You could find more on Isaac Wilson's work on Instagram at when underscore in underscore zen you could find my work and new info on my upcoming true story documentary on instagram and on facebook on instagram you could find me at albert shivers and on facebook just albert shivers or my art page albert shivers visual artist and also keep your eyes peeled for the background of your favorite TV show and film, because you never know, you might see Michelle Starback. Thanks again so much for listening. Everybody, be cool, be happy, find some silver linings, and most importantly, keep your head on straight. Next week, got a special surprise show for everybody, and you'll hear from us then. <laughs>